Welcome to a new episode of Sports Speak. Today on the pod, I'm joined by Taylor to discuss all things from the Monaco Grand Prix. Max Verstappen has taken the lead in the championship, Lewis Hamilton coming a lowly seventh, Valtteri Bottas' issues, and Ricardo and Alonso's complete lack of pace. All that and more on the pod. Charles Leclerc is settling himself into that car number 16, the Ferrari, and then we're going to have an empty space at the front of the grid. 78 laps to come then, it's the Monaco Grand Prix, and who's going to take it this afternoon? It's lights out, and away we go, Bottas got away well, Verstappen comes over to cover him, and does cover off the Mercedes. Valtteri Bottas now pits uh, for Mercedes, and it's the hard time to, but they can't get the right front off. That tyre is not budging, and this is Valtteri Bottas' race being ruined before your very eyes. then goes through and takes the lead of the Grand Prix. However, he's not stopped yet, so he won't yep. be in the lead for long. Correct. Lewis, we're under threat to losing position to Perez as well. Sorry about that. But... I lost it in Perez. Yeah, he's yet to stop currently doing 14-6. You're going to lose another place yet to Sergio Perez, a driver who Lewis hasn't seen all afternoon. I have a tear in my eye here for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Norris laps Ricardo. That, that, that's an ouch moment, isn't it? Max Verstappen's party. This is going to be his first podium in Monaco. It's his first win in Monaco. Max Verstappen leads the World Championship and wins the Monaco Grand Prix. What a day for Red Bull. We, uh, yeah. we had a Grand Prix in Monaco for the first time in two years, which is pretty bloody exciting. Well, ex- I mean, exciting is an interesting word. It was exciting to be at Monaco, I would imagine, for the races. Let's start with the pole sitter, Charles Leclerc. It all went wrong mm. before the race even started. Yeah, despair for Charles Leclerc, as they said on the screen. Oh, is that what they went with? I like that. Yeah, me too. Look, it's no secret. I, I think both of us love Charles. The guy has had the worst luck at Monaco and sucks for those for those at home who don't know he is a monocasque he's uh he's from monaco born and raised so for him to poll his uh his home grand prix was was incredible i mean he was very emotional during qualifying and had a phenomenal weekend had an absolutely phenomenal weekend throughout practice through qualifying 18 seconds to go puts the rear into the wall and doesn't make it to the grid for for the race it was just it was heartbreaking and you could you could really feel I think at the beginning of the race, you could feel that deflation across the whole paddock. Like even, even the other drivers, you know, Charles is a, he's, he's one of the nice guys. And, uh, and I think they were all, you know, feeling for him because it, it just would have, would have really hurt. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, when Ferrari were good, he was good. And so to finally see Ferrari back at the front out of nowhere really was pretty exciting. I was really excited to head into a race without a Mercedes or a Red Bull on the front row for the first time in it feels like forever. Yeah. And we just got robbed of it. So yeah, I agree. It was a bit deflating, wasn't it? To get the news come across the screen before the race even begins that he's out and it's like, Oh, it was, it was awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. So 
Yeah, a bit of a bit of a dampener, but you know that's that's Monaco. Monaco tends to have drama around the race and not so much drama in the race anymore, and it didn't disappoint this year. You could count the amount of passes this year on no hands. Yeah, well, two was the official count. What was it? Uh, did they officially give two? Did they? Mick on Mazepin and Stroll. Stroll on the first corner, second corner, I think. Of the um, of the actual race. Yeah, yeah, but that was it. So. It didn't feel like anyone was really racing, which is a bit disappointing. And which I guess brings us to the second point I want to discuss, which is I think out of five races, this race was equally the most impactful for the season so far, but also the most boring. Yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference to the entire projection of the season. It looked like Lewis was having his own way. He's finished down the order and we'll get into Mercedes in a minute and what where that all went wrong on both drivers. But... They have one of these a year Mercedes, and this this was their one, so I don't think they'd want to repeat. Uh, yeah, really boring race. And well, what leads me to one thing I want to talk about, was the bigger faux pas of that race Mercedes's F-ups, or was it the director missing the, literally the only action on the track to cut away to a replay? <laughs> <sighs> so, so, I did, so I did some research on this. Monaco is the only Grand Prix on the calendar that isn't directed by Liberty Media. So F1 media rights are owned by a company called Liberty. This is the only race that is not directed by them. It's directed by some Monaco media company that, that literally only do the Monaco Grand Prix. And and let me tell you, you could tell. They were this worse off for it. By far the worst sports production I have ever witnessed in my life. There's got to be questions asked. They're literally the only side-by-side action. They had it live on the screen and they cut away to a replay of someone missing a chicane. And, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a, an era now where I think they have attracted a lot of new fans. Drive to Survive has brought a lot of fans and a lot of eyes to the to the sport. I know even just my, my friendship circle back home in Oz, guys that never speak about F1, guys that wouldn't know, you know, the front wing to the rear wing, have all these very intricate understandings of relationships in teams that, that I never thought they'd get. Right, and all because of that, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and Monaco being, you know, regardless of whether the race is exciting or not, because it, it generally isn't, you know, it's the Grand Prix that I think everybody feels like is the, the flagship Grand Prix of the, of the season, and it's an absolute shambles. It looks terrible. I mean, for lack of a better word, it is the most famous race, and... Yeah, you're right. The the only bit of action all all race was uh, happened off screen. Bottas, God, Bottas. if this if this bloke had no luck, it would be an improvement on the luck he's got. <laughs> I mean, where do you even start? He, I mean, number one, Max had arguably one of the worst starts I've seen from him. A hell of a lot of wheel spin off the off the mark. And Bottas being in, in third place had pretty much open road, uh, open road on the right side of the track. So he, he really should have gotten away quite clean. And Max did an amazing job to cut him off. So first and foremost, you know, Bottas misses out on a golden opportunity to, to steal the lead from, from Verstappen. Um, and then, you know, does his, does his pit stop. And I mean, unthinkable. I haven't seen this in, in Formula One. Um, the, the wheel nut holding his, his tire just would not come off. And so he's stuck in the pits for, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and they just decide to call it. <laughs> That's unbelievable. 
Furthermore to Bottas though, what I what's concerned me is he's just lost all hope and confidence. We everyone's talking about Daniel Ricciardo, which is giving Bottas a I think a bit of a a bit of a break here and, and guys like Alonso and Vettel by the same token because Ricardo's being so open about his confidence issues but Bottas routinely is so far off the pace of those two front cars and even in this race he was seven or eight seconds down on Verstappen when he made that pit so it wasn't they didn't cost him a win he was running towards a second a distant second again yeah and again and that goes back to my point about the start you know th- this was a golden opportunity for a guy you, th- you think about if Hamilton was in that spot, Hamilton's sitting there in, in, in third place with open track in front of him. He, he sees Max spinning wildly. All it takes is a split second for Hamilton to take complete control of a race. And, you know, say what you want about Lewis and being in that car and, and, and all of that. But yeah, Bottas just doesn't, he doesn't seem to take advantage of the situations he's in. If he, if he came out of the weekend, uh, you know, practice sessions and qualifying feeling confident, I think any of, any of that gain is completely lost by the race. And yeah, I mean, he's had two, two DNFs now for the season out of five races. That's not good for the second driver in the best team uh, on the grid. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to even say about Bottas anymore. I mean, the only credit I can give him, neither of those were his fault. The, the bigger issue for me is simply he's just not quick. He's, he's incredibly off the pace, whereas previous seasons, he's always been around the mark. He's been a fair challenge to Lewis at a lot of tracks throughout the past few seasons. He's never really threatened like never had consistent threatened but this season he's just got nothing and i mean he ceded his position in the the champ the driver championship to perez i mean in and of itself that's that's remarkable perez has been driving for this team for five races you know he's not used to the car we know that that red bull car is is an absolute animal very very tough to drive and bottas you know bottas is now what is he fourth yes the driver's team yeah so you know, it's a long way back for him. I, I don't know. Uh, I think there's, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of head games going on with Bottas, and I'd be very, very surprised if he's in that seat next year. If we can go into Ferrari, I was gobsmacked by Ferrari's performance this weekend. You know, Charles, Charles' unfortunate incident notwithstanding, I watched every practice session. I watched all of Quali. You know, those cars looked like. The Ferraris of old, they looked like the Ferraris of 2019. I love my my red horses. Yeah, and it was it was so great to see them back. But look, we had Carlos Sainz absolutely driving the pants out of that Ferrari. And it just goes to show that when you know when Ferrari get it right, man, they, they are a they can be a real challenge. And you know, it's very, very positive moving into next season. I think Ferrari are, you know, they could be back. Yeah, they seem to be back on their game. It was It's good for the sport, regardless of who you support. Going back to Sergio for a sec, he stayed out longer and he jumped the people he needed to jump. So Red Bull, who were criticised for the last race for not matching the strategy of Mercedes, thoroughly outplayed them at Monaco. Strategic masterclass today from, from Red Bull. It was beautiful to watch. That overcut that, that Perez made was phenomenal. You could hear the exasperation in Lewis's voice when he radioed back to uh, to the pit wall and was like, "Well, hang on, where's Perez? How's Perez in front of me?" You know, it was a it was a phenomenal drive, and and I was shocked that uh, that Perez didn't get voted driver of the day. The sentimental choice, I think, won the day for driver of the uh, of the day with Seb. You know, no stranger to Monaco, obviously, he's a very very strong driver, and for the first time in two years, 
looked like he could he could actually race again, which was was really really a lot of fun. Racing point were much better, fifth and eighth, I think. Yep, absolutely. The only other team other than Red Bull to to get double points this uh, this weekend. So and they needed it. Definitely did. Stroll drove a pretty good race from the back as well, for that matter. That's what I was about to say. I don't think their performance had anything to do with their cars. It had everything to do with both drivers just being locked in. Let's get into McLaren. A track you love. The pace isn't quite there. Do you have the answer why? No, no. Uh, I think that's the... It's more confusing than frustrating at the moment. I would say that's that's the that's the, the emotion. Um, I mean, I was kind of a second off the whole weekend, as you know, a second's an eternity, and I, and I don't I don't really have an answer for that. You know, I think you could explain maybe a couple tenths and this and that, but yeah, especially around here. <laughs> Lando has finished on a podium and lapped Daniel Ricciardo at Monaco. I mean, I. I don't know what to say. I, I real, I, I'm really lost for words. Daniel had a look. Daniel did not have a good weekend in terms of practice sessions. Um, he was okay in qualifying, but certainly not outstanding. And you know, you start in 13th on the grid at Monaco. You're probably going to finish 13th in in Monaco. But to be lapped by Lando, who is having the season of his life. I mean, I don't. I it, it, I can't remember a time where a driver has improved this much, you know, from year to year. And he had a good year last year. Daniel just can't seem to get it in the window, at least not consistently. I don't know why. I really don't know why. It doesn't seem like it's a car built for, or a car not built for a late breaker. Lando Lando kind of plays it fast and loose most of the time on the track. So, so you know, it should really suit Daniel. But then again, you know, Daniel took the best part of 18 months to, to warm up to the Renault. So who knows, maybe 2022 is, is Ricardo's year. But you know what? He, he needs to stay put. I hope this is a lesson to him that he just sits tight at McLaren. He doesn't look elsewhere. You know, the grass is always greener. He, he walked away from, from Renault. He should have stayed there. That Alpine car is, is decent. And mm. I, th- I, th- I honestly think he'd be, he'd be in a much better position than where, where he is now. Well, if we're talking about not walking away, he should have stayed at Red Bull. Yeah, well, yeah. In any event, he is where he is. I think the bigger concern for him is getting the performance up to speed and he's not losing a second a lap to Lando because that's a situation where you end up a number two driver real quick. Look, I think part of his pace issue was Kimi Raikkonen because Kimi was nowhere near his own teammate's pace, which was strange. Giovinazzi, to his credit, was pretty quick. Yeah, mate. Uh, it's But yeah, amazing weekend from the Italian. So, yeah, Daniel was stuck behind Kimi the whole race, but he never really, uh, it's not a track you can pass on. So he just sat there and that was the race, unfortunately but for Daniel. Know, on the other on the other side of the coin, though, you know, Lando from what, lap 40-something, started complaining about tyre degradation. And, you know, and he managed to, to not only hold off Sergio Perez, who was having an absolute ball terror of a race, but he managed to make up time on on Ricardo, who who wasn't complaining about tire degradation. You can you can talk about the car, you can talk about the tracks, you can talk about all those things. I, I don't know. I just think Daniel's in his head right now, and he definitely needs to get out of it because he's the king of these streets. Remember, he said it on his helmet. I own these yeah. streets. And Jesus, if he's owning those streets, the value of those streets must be quite low. 
Yeah, I think it's probably a bit too harsh to look at the lapping. I mean, the lapping thing is bad, obviously, but when he was in clean air, he was actually, uh, for a period of the race there where he was the next car up the road from Verstappen, he was actually pulling away from Max. Not all doom and gloom for me, but I agree with you. He needs to get out of his own head because I think his head, before he even went to qualifying, he was defeated. He knew he wasn't going to Q3. And uh, that attitude's not going to do him any favours. So, Shitty Lewis. Let's talk about Shitty Lewis. Oh, boy. Boy, does he get stroppy on the radio. Yeah, I think... So, it it started back in P1, free practice one. The whole weekend, he was really struggling with his car. He had a rough weekend and did not get through practice sessions very well, had a pretty abysmal qualifying for his standards. And you could just feel after qualifying that he wasn't in a good space for the race. He's usually quite relaxed. He's usually, you know, not jovial is never something you'd call Lewis, but he he generally feels like he's in control. Even when he's not in pole position, he, you, you feel like he's going to be in control of the race. And he's cerebral. You, you, it feels like he's always calculating his way to the front. Very much so, like he had a plan. And the Lewis we got post-poly was a Lewis who, who definitely did not feel in control, and that translated to the, to the actual race. You know, I don't know what, what happened and why he lost his cool so much, but he was a he was a different driver out there, and maybe it's just Monaco. Maybe it's a one off. He went it's... he went up a few octaves in his. Uh... He did, he did indeed. It was it was really strange, and and you could hear this sort of real desperation on the radio. Yeah, it was it was an interesting weekend. And look, I don't know as as far as a a pretty neutral fan, you know, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was it's always good to see a fight at the front. It's always good to see you know this this perennial winner really having to fight back. And if it means that the rest of the season, we're going to get, you know, a really, a really tuned in Lewis, then, Hey, that's, that's good for Formula One. Cause it's going to be make for some interesting races. Yeah. Well, while the Monaco race didn't deliver, I think it's fair to say every race with Max versus Lewis at the front has been center and Prostish. You know what I mean? Schumacher and Hakkinen. It's been yep. what you want to see in Formula One, two of the best drivers Absolutely, balls to the wall, every lap, going for it, and it's that's what we that's what we're getting. Yep, absolutely. And you know, for the first time in a very long time, what six six years, seven years, um, we've got you know not a Mercedes and not a Mercedes driver at the front of the two championships, constructors and drivers. And so, Max Max now um, leads the drivers. Yep. Disappointing weekend for Sonoda, and very positive weekend for Pierre. Yeah, good point. Sonoda was a what? Wow. I mean, this this kid came out of nowhere in Bahrain and had an absolute, you know, uh, showstopper of a performance in his first Grand Prix, and then really has underdelivered since then. And yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit worrying. I don't really know what's going on. Whether it's whether he just prefers circuits to street tracks, but uh, but it, then again, I mean, it's. It just doesn't make much sense. He was a long way off. Yeah. His, uh, his number one rival of the season, who is Fernando Alonso, talking about the, the most inexperienced man on the track to the most experienced man on the track. Fernando Alonso, gosh, I mean, where do we even start? He was terrible. 
Yeah, there was a few guys that were a fair way off their game, wasn't there? It was just, it was, like I said at the start, it was an interesting race, but not because of what happened in the race. I think it will have far-reaching consequences over the course of this season. But, you know, Max being at the front now is unknown territory for just about every single driver on this on this grid. So, you know, I think it's going to be a really good season moving forward. We've got Azerbaijan in two weeks, one of my favourite tracks. Love that track. Um, a street circuit yeah, with, with real passing. With And with real pace. Mm. Uh, so we're going to see some excellent racing in, in Baku, which is great. As long as we get good races, I'm good. From here, predictions for Baku. What have you got? Ooh, okay. Predictions for Baku. Uh, I think Max will absolutely have a phenomenal race. I think that's. I think that will happen. I think that Max will come into the Baku weekend with an incredible amount of confidence. Uh, I don't think he'll be pole. I think we'll get a Lewis pole, but I think then we'll get a Max uh, from second place. Incredible overtake, maybe somewhere in the first three or four corners. Jeez, you're going uh, deep on this preview. <laughs> and that'll be it. No, I honestly do. I, I believe I believe that's that's what will happen. They'll have incredible straight line speed. Well, here, here, my prediction is simply we're going to have Mercedes and Red Bull at the front here. Baku is one of the longest tracks. So there's nowhere to hide if you don't have the pace. You're you're going to get done somewhere on that track. So big test for Ricardo against Norris. Big test for Raikkonen against Giovinazzi. Huge test for Sonoda. Uh, and a big test for Fernando. There's a lot of drivers who are getting creamed by their teammates. And it's uh, put up or shut up time in Baku, I reckon. And for those Ferrari fans, I think Ferrari might... Uh might be towards the back of the uh, of the pack, particularly in the midfield next week. We will see. Look forward to it. Thank you for tuning in to our Grand Prix review. You can follow us on Instagram at sports underscore speak underscore podcast, and we'll be back soon.